Welcome to Welcome. another episode of Susamen. Hi, Hi Tzili. Hi, Beverly. Susamen, together, every week, and today now we are with... Now it's Yankale. Uh, Yankale is my husband. Yankale she thinks now husband. that, oh my God. <laughs> and today we are... Beverly, Dr. Beverly Goodman, Chernoff. Chernoff? Goodman, Chernoff? Wow. From the Leon Charney, I wanted to say resolution center, from the Leon Charney Marine Science <laughs> in the, the University of Haifa. Wow. Hey, Beverly. Hey, Be- How are you doing? Hey. And, and uh, I'll, I'll leave to you uh, to, to say all the academic titles and everything because I never know. And what you do. And from my point of view, you're the tsunami lady. Do you know <laughs> us about that? But we're going to talk today about fish poop. I'm going to talk about fecal pellets, just to be scientific about our fish okay. poop. All right. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not scientific. I'm not so, so we have to, to fill up. Do you want me to introduce myself? Of course. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. So I am the head of the department for marine geosciences at the University of Haifa, which is in the school, Leon Charney School of Marine Sciences. So that is, uh, and what I do is I, I'm a marine geologist. And I do a lot of different um, environmental reconstruction and looking at what happened in the past as a way to try to figure out what's going to happen in the future as well as what's happening right now. Um, so this could be things like, uh, oh, I don't know, coastal change, sea level rise, issues that basically that we see anywhere where we have a coastline. Issues so that's that gonna bother everybody today. general is Beverly tsunami <laughs> that's right so why so how did we get to fish poop oh isn't it obvious no <laughs> so fish poop why are we looking at fish poop well we have this interesting uh, mystery that we're dealing with because I, I work organisms sometimes um, that are called foraminifera and foraminifera which is a big big word so we'll just call them forams or sometimes we t- call them bugs they live everywhere everywhere where there's an ocean you can find these tiny little things they're they're any as big as say a quarter and as small as completely microscopic and they live in every ocean and we use them for all kinds of things to try to understand um You know the changes in the temperature of the sea they've been around for 500 million years um and they're 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 quite uh they're they're powerful little bugs okay they're very powerful because they they can tell us a lot of information about what's happening in the environment so for example if you have somewhere where you're there's lots of uh, pollution you'll actually see changes in which which species live there You know, it actually affects the communities of these little critters. So why are we talking about fish poop? So the reason we're talking about fish poop is because on a recent expedition to the Dead Sea, you know, everyone, well, I hope everyone's heard of the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea is at the lowest point on Earth. It's one of the, it's the saltiest water body, I believe, on Earth. And um, nothing really lives in it. There's some microbes that have been identified but in the water itself there's there there's very little little life if, if you know basically only on a sort of microbe level and 
we decided to check these pools that that are right on right next to the Dead Sea. They're right on the coastline, and they're little pools that are created by the springs that that feed the Dead Sea. And so we collected some muds from there and checked them out, and it turned out there were foraminifera, which is kind of crazy because it's very far away from any sea. So we started to think about like, okay, how in the world did these bugs, how did these you know little animals make it all the way from a sea, which could be the Red Sea, it could be the Mediterranean, but how in the world did they get there? So another researcher was doing some work in the Mediterranean and discovered that there were, um, she actually collected fish that eat algae, which is where a lot of the foraminifera live. And then she captured them and let them poop <laughs> and then checked their poop to see what was in it. And the idea was, okay, foraminifera are so tiny. Like, how do they invade new places? Like, you know, they, 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 how are they gonna get there? You know, it makes sense when you think about an animal like humans where we, you know, we can take our diseases everywhere, right? You know, Corona really taught us that, you know, no problem bringing, you know, bringing a virus from China to Seattle, right? But for a little tiny microscopic animal, we don't fully understand like how one goes through the Suez Canal and makes it to Italy. You know, why do we have the same ones, you know, so far away? And so she discovered, my, my buddy Tamar, that she could actually collect the fish poop of, the, of these fish in the Mediterranean. And then she'd let them collect the fish, hold on to them, as she describes it, like, a, like an alien abduction, <laughs> you know, kidnap the fish, put them on the boat for a couple hours, you know, in a container, put them back in the sea, like, thank you for your poop, now you can go away. And then in the poop, check whether or not there's any living animals, okay? And, and some of those, and what she found is sure enough, there were living foraminifera. And the reason this is super cool is because of course, the fish can swim, they can move. So it explained like one of the ways that that things move around, you know, how, how, you know, you can probably think of it like if you're going on a hike in the woods and your dog or your pants get covered in burrs, you know, the reason for that is because you want to spread the seeds. You know, this is, this is something in a, an adaptation that helps. Or uh, if you live somewhere with bats and you get the, you know, nasty, uh, <laughs> you, get, you get the the spray of the bat guana, but there's also a lot of seeds in that. So it's a way that you can, you can get seeds all over the place. So it turns out that fish pooping is one way that these little microscopic animals, but it also means that they're surviving all the way through their digestive tract which is kind of wild, you know, so they're, they're actually making it through the digestion. Okay, so that's where we, we started with thinking about it. But in the Dead Sea, we're going, what in the world? There's no connection. So how? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's springs, but these aren't animals that live in fresh water. They can only be in, you know, salty to very salty. Um, so we're trying to think about it as so we went down there and we managed to catch, now follow me here, there are fish in these pools wow. next to the Dead Sea. And when I say next to, I don't mean like the next town over. I mean like right there, three feet, you know, like 
Mamash, like right on the coastline of the Dead Sea. The first time I saw it, I, I, I was like, are those fish? <laughs> am, I, am I seeing what I think I, what I'm seeing? And sure enough, these, these really like rapidly changing pools, they, they change all the time, they get eroded, there's rains and they get bigger and they get smaller and they, they're, they're really, um, uh, you know, they're, they're quite temporary. I mean, they're, they're just changing all the time. And these fish managed to live there. So on our last expedition, we did the alien trick. We kidnapped a bunch of these, uh, these little Dead Sea fish. We kept them in a bottle and sure enough, they had to do their business. So we were able to collect their fecal pellets and we were able to stain them to see whether or not there were living, um, any living forams in them. Okay, but if you're thinking right now, you just said it's not connected to anywhere else. So, okay, there's these little animals in their stomachs swim to the Mediterranean, right? They can't take, they can't, hop <laughs> they can't they can't I, I think i just gave a big clue there but they can't make it from the dead sea you know because if we're thinking okay if we have some of these animals these microscopic animals in the red sea how do they get from the red sea to the dead sea or the mediterranean to the dead sea or the black sea to the dead sea so what we also saw when we were down there are birds big birds so, so this is <laughs> <laughs> this is more or less like the there's the story of the the old lady or the woman who ate a fly <clears throat> in order to solve the fly. But the birds don't eat them. They don't carry so the birds. Two things. One, it it may explain how the for these foraminifera got there to begin with, because the birds are passing them eating things and what have you in the uh, on the coasts of the red sea and the mediterranean and in the shallow water so they will be flying north or flying south these and as we were standing there discussing and thinking about it they poop swoops in a crane and eats one of the fish so a couple of things could be going on it could be the the birds are actually bringing foraminifera to the pools and also the fish that the birds are eating wherever <laughs> have in their stomachs the foraminifera so what, what is what is the thanksgiving the turduncan you know this is this is sort of you know the uh the the fish that's stuffed with the foram and the and the fish that's then stuffed into the the bird so we're, we're kind of looking at everyone's poop now and trying to follow follow the story. I mean, poop, poop is a really important thing in science and, and the same, we can get so much information out of, out of poop. So this so is what the use of the poop. So the use of the poop is that then we can start to understand how, how biological communities spread. And this is, this is very important for understanding um, environmental issues like you know, if we're looking at, um, if we were to, like, for example, they want to, believe it or not, they want to do a canal and connect between the Mediterranean, the Dead Sea, and the Red Sea um, in order to, br to bring the Dead Sea back because it's going down every year, it's shrinking. So one of the reasons that, that we think it's important is because we want to understand what is the job 
of the Dead Sea, right? We don't think of it in terms of the biological things, but if it's a stopping point that keeps these communities healthy, you know, by, by bringing, because you, you need diversity, you need, you need to have lots of different genetic material. And, and if everything lives in the same place all the time and reproduces with itself, you don't get that diversity. So anytime you can move, you know, when you, you whenever you get new hotties, you want, you want to get new hotties in the neighborhood, right? <laughs> so that's what these birds are doing. You know, they're, they're bringing, they're bringing them down from the north, they're bringing them up from the south, and they're contributing to this, to the health of the system because of this uh, diversity that's created. Well, how the Jews got taller. There is, there is, there is, there is <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Not my grandmother. <laughs> it's amazing all this movement that we outside ourselves. Yeah, unbelievable, and it's, it's tinier than you know. I've seen these fish. They're really you cannot. If Beverly wouldn't point them, I wouldn't make a, a <laughs> pay attention. Yeah, when you first see it, you I even thought, oh, are those like bugs that are you know kind of landing and running around on top of the water and then I realized no 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 that's those are fish coming up for the bugs <laughs> they're they're do you think small. fish talk to each other I'm sure they do but there are no I think, they, I think they even try to talk to us sometimes but we don't really uh we don't understand right. them yet there is any proof scientific proof there have been a lot, lot of observation I mean the fish I mean, they certainly learn, you know, and they certainly have a range of, you know, anyone who's had an aquarium long enough, you know, it's kind of funny at home. I've noticed that when I approach the aquarium, the fish will kind of come over to me, but they're not that interested. But if my son comes, who's the one who feeds them every day, right. <laughs> they completely, you know, they, they swarm him, you know, like they're wow. like, oh, here it comes. They've already figured wow. out that, you know, I'm nice, but, but I don't, you know, I'm, they don't come to you. But, right, if, you know, right. it's very much about animals. They come to one, the, yes. the one who feeds them because they're dependent on this person. So uh, they all come for that. You so know, you don't so deal with the uh, vegetarian plants. plants in the water? Um, not generally. I will look, I look a little, actually, Donnie, my husband, and is the is the expert on marine photosynthesis and plants, uh, water plants. Um, but we look at it if, if when we're trying to understand sea level change, we do look at the plants because just like a forest has you know different types of forests, and you have um, forests that are common, uh, say mangroves, you know, which are on a coastline, and then you have you know pine forests as you go further up. Um, it's very similar in the sea where you have, where plants have their environmental zone. So when you think about changing, when the sea changes, you know, for whatever reason, if it's warming up, if it's sea level is rising, it also shifts where those areas are. So we, there's, we can get information from all these different, all these different uh, things in the, in the natural world. Beverly, how do you define when tsunami can occur. <laughs> so, okay, so when I'm not playing with poop, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the history and evidence for tsunamis in the past as a means to try to be prepared for possible future tsunamis. Um, so in the Mediterranean, so in general, when there is a tsunami, there are 
sometimes there are signs that you can see on the landscape that will let you know that an event is about to happen. Um, many people think that tsunamis are always earthquake related, but they're not necessarily, there's other causes. It could be, um, you could have it from what's an underwater landslide. So very similar to on land, but offshore, the bottom of the ocean is, is very complicated. It has mountain ranges and um, canyons and cliffs and, wow. you know, all, I mean, they have mountains bigger than the mountains that are on the continent. So you can get landslides that occur underwater and that will push the water and then push of the water can cause a tsunami. And of course, earthquakes can cause tsunamis. And then you can also have things like uh, volcanic eruptions, um, meteorite falls, but many of them, it, it's the case where the water if you were sitting on the beach and one of these events happened, you know, deep in the ocean, the water might pull back. It's kind of like suddenly you'd have this amazing low tide. And then, and that's, that's this massive water that's going up out further in the ocean. It's going up so that water has to go somewhere. So it's actually kind of like pulling the curtain from the, oh. from the beach. And then that's that's one sign. Um, of course, if you know that there's an earthquake, we have warning systems where if there is an earthquake, then everyone gets informed in the different countries that might be affected. And then it's reviewed and modeled and analyzed to determine whether or not an announcement has to be made. Israel, for example, um, in 2012 put together a committee to try to figure out you know does israel need to be concerned about tsunamis and they looked at the, at the research that had been done and the historical records of tsunamis and decided that yes you know we need to look into this further and we need to decide if it's part of the national um, uh, emergency response plan so what's amazing is in only nine years, Israel has, uh, <laughs> I like to say Israel, Israel never does anything this much, you know, it's always let's go, let's, let's go to the end, Adasov, you know, so Israel actually, not only did they decide, the government decided that it would be part of the plan, they immediately put into motion uh, drills and on the beaches having warning signs and creating... <gasps> Really? You need to go I to the beach more. Going every day almost. What's your beach. favorite beach? What beach are you at? No, but you have to go banana on the beach. Banana beach. Not uh, by the Tayelet. Banana beach in uh, oh, banana beach in? in Olga. No, no, in, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. In Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv. Hmm. There I are there are signs everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There are signs, but but so what? You have signs, and then but what? people don't know what to do. I mean, what they're going to? Uh, everybody going mm -hmm. to rush to the Jerusalem mountains? What? <laughs> That's an option. If you got a helicopter, yeah. hop on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the idea the idea behind the signs is that it does a couple of things. Um, one, it's a static reminder or 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 in i guess not a reminder but it's a, it's a static um awareness uh thing so let's say and people take are down at the consideration beach. what's that to take in consideration while you're right on the beach 
you might get hit by a tsunami. <laughs> well, it, you know, the idea is not to scare people from, you know, having a nice picnic, but the idea is that because the signs are there all the time, even if people look at it and go, oh, please give me a break, you know, which a lot of people do. But the idea is that these signs will, it makes it a reality. You know, so even if they if people go, oh, that's absurd, that's ridiculous. If a helicopter arrives, or if the um, the speakers start announcing tsunami warning, tsunami warning, it's not the first time they've ever heard it. It's not the first time yes, that they know it's Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. in what what they do. And then, okay, and then now once you notice the signs, I promise you, you'll never be able to not see them. <laughs> once you notice that you're going to see them everywhere. Um, but basically, if you see it, one of the signs, you should, if you just turn around and do a 360, I guarantee you're going to see another sign. And the other sign will have an arrow. And the arrows are giving you the path to um to uh, uh, milut, uh, evacuation route okay so it's going to give you the uh the, the the best path for getting out now you might be thinking well that's silly i mean if there's a tsunami just run away from the coat from the it beach is, right? this is like a big escape room just this is a big escape room outdoors yeah, escape well it's all flat so, so here's here's the idea is that mugotsov is a little bit you'll be happy to know that one of the um, assembly points in Tel Aviv is actually the grassy area outside the Hilton. That, oh, yeah, I know. That's one of the main assemblies. Yeah. So, um, but, but basically those signs, they, they direct you to the closest safe place because if you if you don't follow the signs, um, you might be okay, but you also might end up in a trap. You know, either let's say a set of buildings where they've done the modeling and they know that it'll be, you know, you'll have trouble getting out of there. Or um, for example, if you accidentally uh, are running away from the beach, but you run towards the river, that's not good either. Okay, um, rivers during tsunamis can be even more dangerous because all of that water and all of that energy will go down the, the river and you can get even bigger waves on the sides of the river because it's all concentrated and focused. So, so the idea behind the signs is that it directs you in the safest path out and it will take you, um, you know, also to one of these assembly points and, you know, God forbid we have a real event. Hopefully, I always joke that I'm one of the few scientists that's like, I hope I'm never proved right. <laughs> I'm happy to be wrong. I made a personal uh, connection uh, because when I made a film, Tel Aviv Berlin, and the girl was five or six years old. And mm -hmm. then, what, I don't know, 19 years later or whatever, she first, first time she came to Thailand, right? Yeah. With her mm -hmm. boyfriend, she they went to the hotel. Outside the hotel, there was a tsunami, the big one, and she was never found. Her, her boyfriend oh. was saved, but she was uh, so you know. Well, this is this is why this is exactly why we do the work, because really? in two thousand four, in two thousand four, you know, nearly a quarter million people died. A quarter million people died. There's Oh, really? Still, any thousand. I think it 20, was 20,000. 
Yeah, and there's still about it, yeah. There was there's a, still a twenty thousand people. About, right? Yes, yes, in Thailand. Does it? And there's still twenty thousand people unaccounted for. Beverly, I was in Florida when the the tsunami in Thailand occurred. Does it make sense? Because I had a feeling that the the whole sea shook up all the way. You know, wow. it's like a big bath. And it felt, and you know, I, I can imagine, but it was a big, it, the whole thing shook up, but it was exactly at the same time of the tsunami. Wow, wow. Well, there is, there, echo? there is evidence that the earthquakes, um, I mean, obviously the earthquake is happening in the earth and it's, it, it even will momentarily believe it or not, affect the orbit of the planet. <laughs> so, so yes, I, I mean, there, there is, I'm, I would not be surprised. I mean, if you were somewhere where the water was super shallow or like some kind of lagoon or something, it's possible that it was such a large earthquake. Um, it'd be interesting. You can check it pretty easily by looking in the, um, the USGS, uh, you know, earthquake records, because they will, they will show you maps of, of it might have been the tiniest little tremor, you know, really, really, really tiny, but it's possible that it could have been felt there. And for whatever yeah. reason, you, you the, might just be super sensitive. You could be super sensitive. It's super sensitive. But yeah. yeah, for people, for the planet, come on. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, for example, I've, I actually experienced two earthquakes one in Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> and the other in Michigan. Where did you get an elbow? In uh, outside Detroit. Oh, it's an No, I was in an elbow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, not far from Ann Arbor. And you know, and these were both earthquakes that almost nobody else felt, and wow. I felt them. So you know, everyone, your sensitivity can be different. But tell me something. So we can somehow protect ourselves from earthquakes by by building buildings you know that can sustain it yeah what can we do about tsunami well, i think prepare. probably probably one of the best um best things to avoid when you're in on a coastline i mean for many reasons but also when you know that there's tsunami risk and we know for example the Medi the eastern mediterranean has tsunami risk and that's don't you know do your best not to put sensitive infrastructure on the coastline. It's good policy anyway, for many reasons. If sea level rises, we're getting our drinking water from the sea. You know, we don't wanna have potential for pollution, you know, greater pollution and all those things. Um, so that's one thing like Israel's, you know, it's 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 pretty scary. Like I, I visited my kid's new school this week and, <laughs> You know, I'm literally walking, I'm looking at the tsunami sign that is, I think, 10 meters from the doorway of my son's classroom. I don't like that idea. You know, I don't like the idea that I have, you know, 10 years to go where I know that he is in one of the most high risk areas in the country. It, it really is hard for me. I actually told everything flipped because the best places would be uh, you yeah. know, by the sea, and all of a sudden, it's the worst places to be. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's just we live too long. You know, part of it is that we live too long. You know, That's I think great. That... That's great. I just want to live as long, you know, never ending. But yeah, I mean, but it's funny because a lot of it really is. You know, I think that in previous generations, and I'm talking, you know, on a scale of thousands of years, you know, we for our our 
things that don't happen every generation can sometimes be quickly forgotten. You know, and so, you know, we become very, you know, there can be a big storm that destroys a whole area. But you cannot live thinking about all this. This is a natural, a natural protective system that humanity uh, is having. And and, and it's good this way. Nobody really learns about, you know, from anything because it's scary. So you just avoid it. You cannot, we know people. We we have a friend, Yar Garbos used to say that his parents, the way they educated that everything in the on this earth is to kill you. Everything. The iron to burn you, the gas to explode, yeah. the car to, you know, to kill you. Yeah, we everything. live with risk. Yeah. He grew up, you know. Uh, yeah. you it's know, true. Some people it's ignore true. everything, some people are afraid of everything. And, yeah. and I don't know that it's really by choice. I think it's mm-hmm. character and it right. just built in and you just have to deal with this. But some things do happen yeah. in some places and you just need to be lucky. Do you think Caesarea is covered with water due to tsunami? The old... Tsunami? Oh, the, the harbor, the yeah. harbor. Um, I, yes, I mean, I, I think that the tsunamis that hit Caesarea definitely contributed to the damage of of the harbor. Um, you know, of course, over time, the harbor is 2000 years old, so you'd never expect it to be in, in perfect condition anyway. But each of these, it was hit by tsunamis at least three times after it was built. So probably each of these events caused it, you know, to, to deteriorate quickly, you know, in a short period of time. And then, you know, you over know, time- I, people don't want to think about it, but look what's happening around us now. There are people who think that the corona is a flu. It's nothing. Um, they didn't even bother, right? So <sighs> it, it's really, you're right. It's different degrees. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, all we can do, I mean, the way that I look at it, and this is where the signs come in, and you mentioned 2004, you know, a quarter million people died in 2004. And the reason that I feel very passionate about you know this this work um, is because a quarter million people didn't have to die, you know you you can look at the horrifying photographs. To me, the most horrifying photographs is not the wave. It's not I hate to say this. It's not the, the you know it's not corpses. It's actually the people walking on the beach, clueless. Yes, like me. You know, and and it's so unfortunate because there were hours of opportunity, but there was no system in place. I actually know some of the geologists that are that were in Hawaii with the geological survey who knew this was going to happen and did everything in their power to get the message out, but there simply wasn't a good enough system to save people. And so you know, today, those same places, they're doing drills, they've got their signage programs, they have all kinds of, you know, so the the beauty of it is, okay, we can be scared of things. But the beauty of this is that I feel good that we have a plan. <laughs> that, Why that, don't you put your kid in a school in the Carmel High a mountain? <laughs> <laughs> they both were. It, it, that's exactly where they were. One was in Zichron and the other one was uh, was in um, uh, Karen Mara. It was good for a few years, but what can you do? The education is best and we all have to take our risks. We all have to look at our statistical, okay. you know. You take the risk, you know. Yeah. 
but I know that, but I know my kids that if the warning happens, they know what to do. You know, I know that they will not going be hesitating. Sorry? You're going to show them specifically from I am, I am. Well, to that, school, that school does do drills because the schools wow. that are along the coastline get a special visit from- what is it? It's in Magan Michael. Uh, Rachel, Rashut Chirum Lumi. Okay. Yeah. It tells us that it was a really big population. There is a big field of sewage offshore of Caesarea that is from 1500 years ago that is still preserved there because there's so much. <laughs> so it can actually tell us about the size of the population. Um, we, we act, I mean, we have a project that we've been talking about even before Corona. Though now it, of course, is more, even more relevant because uh, viruses can be, the genetics of the virus can be identified in sewage. So one of the things that they've been doing in Israel and also in the U.S. is be, it's, it's in, rather than testing the people, especially in the early parts of the virus where it wasn't everywhere, they would literally go and just test the municipal yes. sewage. Yes. And you yes. could tell because if somebody, people are sick, if the virus is gonna get into the sewage and you can just test the sewage. You don't know who has it, but you know that people living within the discharge for that sewage area have it. So- No, that's what I want to know. Because other, that's what I'm asking. No, is your- <laughs> your smile you keep smiling and you're full with life what you're doing under the water why did you go the first place to study <laughs> marine science? because that's the only time i stopped talking i think she's more underwater than above water wow yeah. no i really i really like it i mean it's it's just an amazing you know our planet is mostly water and you know we always think about the ocean like it's, you know, it's, it's this alien thing. But the reality is we're the aliens. We're the ones who are living right. on the 30% of the planet. You know, we're the ones who are living in the minority in terms of the, the geography of the planet. You know, most of our planet is ocean. Right. So for, for me going underwater, it's, it really allows me to, in a way, you know, it, 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 the, the sensory aspect you know really help i really can think clearly you know i i'm just observing things quiet. and i feel like i'm part of the planet finally. no noise it's quiet no i mean there's noise but not like there is noise but yeah everything different is sort noise. of you know everything changes everything your sense your senses are different your your body in some ways becomes sort of less of a burden you know you, you have, have the a soul of a nympha change. you have a soul of, a soul of a nympha you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I did not see it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Listen, uh, tell me, I'm jealous. Really, what's the next breaking 
uh, thing, you know, breaking big thing. Look, look at us, look at the way for. she looks at you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm gonna make a deal with you, Sully. If I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you the 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 biggest thing, but you have to promise me this doesn't okay. go out until I okay it. Okay, you okay can with we that? Can we talk here? Yes. Or you can cut this part off if no, it no, never no. happens. No, no. <laughs> okay. Um. So the biggest thing that I have coming up, um, in terms of discoveries, which to me really truly is I think one of the most most amazing things I've ever found or been a part of finding I should say it's quite a team um 3500 years ago there was a major eruption on the island of Santorini and um the Thera eruption and the Thera eruption was is considered like the biggest natural disaster in in the time of written human history. And this eruption was ginormous, as the kids say, and it caused tsunamis and there was ash. If you ever go to Santorini today, you can go and see the, the, the layers just, you know, you know, 60 meters thick of volcanic ash. Well, the weirdest thing about this whole story is even though it changed the Mediterranean, it changed the cultures, all kinds of things have been attached to it. They even think that maybe the crossing of the Red Sea is, is a story that came out of this. Um, also the story of Atlantis might be linked to this event. But the wildest thing is that, do you know how many victims were found from this event? No. Zero. Well, None. Zero. What does it mean? None. No one has been able to figure it out. It was theorized that the eruption that maybe that people they do, it's probably true that people there were warnings, the volcano was going and things were happening. So the people fled from the island, but they never found them. So what they think is, and they never found, you know, I hate to say it, you know, mass graves, or they think that they might have actually died at sea, that they could have been incinerated by some of the eruptions, like they got away, but they didn't get far enough, uh, quick enough. Um, so anyway, so this has been a mystery for 100 years, you know, what happened? How did wow. they all survive? How could this it's be? Detective so the big, yeah, so the big announcement that I have is that we found the first victim. Wow. We found wow. a tsunami wow. victim. Wow from 3,500 years ago, wow. Even a, teenage I... boy, a teenage boy Even in Turkey, Turkey, in Turkey next to the island of Chios. Yeah. And he was found inside a tsunami deposit that happened. There were actually about four, at least four tsunamis from the eruption. And so there he was. So he, um, he and the, the, the the more amazing, well, there's many amazing things about it, but one of the other incredible things is that we found, he was found, um, when they originally found him, they didn't think much of it. They thought he was a murder victim or something because they didn't realize it was a tsunami deposit. And above him, there's about three feet above, you see all these pits in the deposit. Well, what, and all, and many of those pits are shaped like peanuts or multiple peanuts. So what we think we're seeing is that we actually, not only did we find the first victim, but we are finding where they took people out. 
So I don't know whether they were living or dead, but they, we actually see the signs of the rescues or the retrievals. Um, yeah. You know, for me, and, somebody like you who goes a lot into the water, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I swim, I develop this style of the fan swim. Mm -hmm. You know, the fan to make sure mm -hmm. the hair will stay dry. <laughs> to keep it above. I don't, want, I don't want to spoil the fan. So this is how I swim. And then I'm thinking, what if I would go into your profession? I mean, well, you, 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 see, you see the results. You, you can't take your, your hair too seriously once you're. Unbelievable. But Beverly, you, we cannot say it, we cannot show it, what you just said. Not yet. No, but, but, no, but listen, we don't show When are you show planning it? to show this? In few months, we have time. Okay, just let me know because okay. January, February. I will tell you when the when it's coming out and the embargo date, and and I can also tell you that um, National Geographic is interested. They oh, wow. they might even they might. I'm hoping that they're going to do a whole um, so uh, illustration of the of the teenager and his dog. There's a dog there too, by the way. Oh, wow. There's a dog victim. Wow. There's a oh, dog listen, what can I tell you? You deal with tsunami, but I am amazed the way you smile <laughs> and your eyes are shining when you talk about fish poop. <laughs> <laughs> no, but your whole attitude is so, I mean, I really admire people who get up in the morning and they're still in awe of something. Yeah. Right? That's I feel so lucky. I feel so lucky. lucky. I mean, it's, you know, it, I feel so fortunate because, you know, they say, choose a profession um, that you would do for no pay. <laughs> you know, this is, this is really the key to happiness. And, and it's true, you know, it's- I make films for mostly for no pay, but I make my living another way. Okay. Yeah. Thank it was you. great, it was we'll great. Talk. Thank you so much, and everybody. Oh, See you safe next week. Safe and dry. Yes, safe and dry. Keep I your will. Friend. Keep your you guys too. Okay, <laughs> Stay healthy. Bye bye. Stay healthy. Bye. Oh, wait, wait. Still. We need to say goodbye. No, no it's oh. stop recording. Still recording. So we say goodbye we to everyone. Goodbye. No. To we were going to say goodbye twice. We, we say, it took us a few times. I'm signing off. Now yeah. it now we take time to. <laughs> Of the recording, but it's been so basically in few months. Right. No, yeah. yeah. Right. Bye. It Bye. was great and wonderful, and I'm going to swim. Yeah.